My name is Elizabeth. I just want you to know I never listened to I Doubt It with Jesse Dallimore because he reminds me of Sarah Limbaugh, and I don't like him. Bye. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Better late than never, as they say. Thank you for joining us for this 204th late but good episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, back from the dead, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, not drained of bodily fluids. Ooh, that sounds gross. Yikes. Brittany Page. Um, yes, I'm not. And <laughs> thank you for your blood service. <laughs> um, yeah, it- I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. Like, like you know, yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way to be tooting my own horn about the blood. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't saying that, but apparently <laughs> you feel very vulnerable. No, I've gotten messages already today. Oh, you have? Yeah, like, thank you for donating blood. Are you serious? Yes, like- Facebook message and a text. <laughs> I didn't... That's interesting. (laughs) For those of you who haven't listened to what was supposed to be episode 204, I I gave a little thing early this morning. I woke up after having passed out. I gave blood yesterday. And after the Boston bombing, I, I started giving blood after each major terrorist attack. But not... It's not like a... Like, oh, I'm gonna do my part. It's just that I'm an idiot... And I, I don't, I should, everyone should give blood. Everyone should, should do their part and give blood. And I should do it on a regular schedule. Like every eight weeks or ever, however long in between blood givings. You see, I'm not even responsible enough to know how, how long. Well, also what, what is your criteria, right? Cause there's a terrorist, a major terrorist attack all the time. No, no. So it's not like, oh, terrorist attack. I better, I better, here's my time to go give blood. Right. It, it's, it's. Oh, terrorist attack, and it reminds me, oh shit, I haven't given blood in a long time. I need to go do that. Right. So it's not every major terrorist attack. No. It's a terrorist attack, and then you are reminded, oh, I haven't given blood in a while. I'm going to go get blood. Right, right. So it's not like, oh, terrorist attack, give blood. Well, you would be dead if you were giving blood every time there was a terrorist attack. Yeah, unfortunately, that that is the case. So anyway, what happened is I, I went and I, I gave blood at, at, in this little mobile home trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it was it's, like an official situation. Yeah, it was a blood mobile. Okay. But I'd never given blood to a inside of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just show up to some RV park and you're giving blood <laughs> in some random RV. Some hillbilly just sticking me with needles. Well, so anyway, I gave blood. You go through the process. You answer the questions and then you just lay down and they... they Plug you, and then they take your plug. Yeah, well, that sounds bad. <laughs> and they they take your blood, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a big guy with lots of blood. And normally, what I do is I sit down for like the the forty five minutes or whatever it is, and get, and do the the double platelet draw, whatever the Alex or whatever it is, where they plug they 
hook you up to a machine mm-hmm. and they take some blood and then they put some back in and then they take and get. And so you can give like a double donation in one shot. That's normally what I do. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have that here. So I get stuck and it seems to be going well. I, I can see the red flowing or, you know, the red inside the line. And then the lady comes back and she goes, oh, I need to readjust it because it's not, nothing's coming out. Mm-hmm. So she tinkers with the needle, dink, dink, dink. I can, you know, kind of feel it oh, hitting God. the insides what? of the vein. What are you doing? This isn't really a good PSA, a, a, a public service announcement for giving blood. No, I'm especially not- for people like me that have their little whiny babies yeah. about needles. Well, it doesn't hurt. I'm starting to see spots and get sweaty. Uh, anyway, it doesn't hurt at all. Of it's course a, it does. Don't it try did, to backpedal now. No, it didn't hurt. Oh, when they're wagging the needle around in your vein, <laughs> twisting it every which way. It feels anyway, great, is fin- what you're saying? Finally, it was like a massage. She finally got the flow going again. <laughs> I bet. And, uh, and finished. And, you know, then they make you wait around like you're getting ready to pass out or whatever. So... You know, they I, give you the little cookie and the little juice. I didn't accept the snacks. Because you turned down a free snack? Well, they're on an open table. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I it's, just don't it's understand. It's like a Costco sample. I don't want something that uh, people's blood and particles have been all no, over. No, no. You're turning down a free snack is the point. <laughs> I took a bottle of water. Oh. So I waited, you know, five or so minutes, and then I just ducked out of the trailer mm-hmm. without proper authorization. Wow. Rebel. So I get home. And I'm like, ah, man, I'm kind of tired. I have <laughs> 20% less blood or whatever the amount is. I have less blood in me uh-huh. than, than I did when I left. Yeah. So I lay down and holy shit, I was wiped. I didn't wake up until like three in the morning mm-hmm. and realized, oh, no show. So put out the little message and I guess this all this to say, go give blood, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> go. Go, go let them let them stick your veins and tinker around in there. You know, I had what they refer to in therapy as a corrective experience with uh, needles. <laughs> Last time I went to the doctor because I'm I'm a little whiny baby about needles. And I have been ever since I was younger. I went in to see if I had the vaccines that are required to have as a student in California. Yeah, they require the whole battery of vaccinations to right. be a student in a public school. Right. And I'm the second oldest of four. And I know that my mom didn't vaccinate my two younger siblings because... Well, be- because of what you would expect. Yeah. Well, it's a combination <laughs> of you get lazy after, you know, the more kids you have, the younger ones, you just kind of like, they just fend for themselves because you're kind of done. <laughs> But they're it, like Nell. <laughs> they're like Jodie Foster and Nell. Yeah. They're just out there in the wood. They're feral children. Yeah. Well, you're like a helicopter <laughs> parent with the first one. And then by the fourth one, you're just like, yeah, what are you doing here? Go, a helicopter go deal parent. with yourself. Yeah. Where you're hovering over oh. them. And <laughs> okay. And then it's also my mom apparently believed that vaccines are harmful, um, like Jenny McCarthy. So I went in, had a corrective experience because I told the woman that was taking my blood, listen, I'm a grown woman who's a whiny baby about needles, and I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to try really hard to be strong. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she just started talking to me, told me to look away and just was talking to me. She's like, you know, what's your major? What are you doing? And then she's like, okay, we're done. And I seriously thought she was joking because I've never had that experience before, but I literally did not feel it. Well, maybe I should send uh, my Red Cross lady to that to that lady. Seriously. She some... was like an expert in yeah. needlework. It was amazing. I-, I thought it was a joke when people said that. Yeah. I've had experiences where I didn't feel it. No, they exist. This yeah. woman was a witch, <laughs> basically. It was a magic trick. Yes. David Blaine in disguise. Yes. Without all the pesky douchiness. I would believe it. And Axe body spray smell. I don't know how he smells. I just assume David Blaine smells like Axe body spray. Okay. All right. Let's move on. We've got some listener communication. You wait one day and all of a sudden, holy shit. We have first, we have two emails and two voicemails to get Love to. it. Yeah, it's awesome. Love it. So let's start off with one of the emails. We'll alternate. So this first one is from Nicholas, and he says, Hello, Brittany and Jesse. In recent weeks, the Republican establishment has been criticizing Trump for his racist, nativist, Islamophobic, and generally prejudicial comments. Isn't that a bit hypocritical, given that the GOP has been using dog whistle appeals as a part of its quote-unquote Southern strategy since the 1960s? Nixon, Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan, Trump, Cruz, and any number of Republican politicians, and some Democrats too, are guilty of it. I know there is a difference between implicit prejudicial appeals and explicit prejudicial appeals, but it seems hypocritical. Why isn't the media connecting the dots? Thanks. Love the show. Jesse's insane Joker laugh is the best part. <laughs> there it is. Wow. My insane Joker laugh. Uh-huh. That's very ableist of you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Is it that? Um, th- is that the one that it would be ableist? You know, I'm not an expert in bias-free language, so... <laughs> I'm not the one to ask. Well, I would say this. I would say that you've, you've kind of answered your own question relative to explicit and implicit racial, you know, buzzwords and shit. Um, and the reason the media isn't covering it is because they need to be able to substantiate the claims that they're reporting on or the assertions that they're making. And it's very explicit with Donald Trump. And the reason that there even is a Southern strategy is because the Republicans to win, they needed to kind of, uh, you know, with Nixon, let's say, they needed to mirror the behavior of Democrats in the South to, to, get, the, to, to get the votes. And it's turned into, obviously, terrible policy. Because in the past, Democrats, I guess I'll go back, Democrats were very racist it was a a party of you know look al gore's father al gore senior voted for or voted against civil rights act so look both parties have been run by white people both parties are guilty of racist and racial um inequities so i I would say um to the listener that that's that is the case. It's the the media. The reason they're really reporting on it now 
was that ultimately the question was the media or the Republican Party being both? I think why isn't the media calling the Republican Party out and why is the Republican Party being so quote unquote hypocritical in that they are now trying to distance themselves from what they've yeah. been saying all along kind of. Look, I'm no fan of the Republican Party. I, I hope that the audience has, has gotten that message loud and clear. Um, but both parties have their issues with race. Both parties have their, their downsides. And there probably is no perfect party related to race relations. Um, but as far as the media is concerned, it's certainly a matter of it's on display for everyone to see with Donald Trump. And with the other candidates, it's you know less in your face you have to kind of dig a little bit all right thank you for the for the for the email let's move on to a voicemail where i'm getting kind of a getting fact checked over here hey jesse and Brittany. uh this is mark from mark's b-hole and uh i just wanted to give you a little feedback on episode 202 i'm a little behind and i was listening to the episode and you're going over all the results from super tuesday part I believe it was and I found it in accuracy and I know how much of a stickler you guys are for numbers and accuracy and precision so I thought I'd point this out to you um, Jesse you made this comment and that's as of 11 14 p.m. Pacific Standard Time West Coast Time US so maybe well Jesse I'm assuming you record this on the 16th of March when on the 14th of March the time actually switched to daylight time. So you would have been one hour off on your reporting of results. And this now means that you are not perfect anymore. So just wanted to let you guys know uh, that you have made one error. And actually, it was just Jesse that has made one <laughs> error. Uh, love the show. Brittany's the perfect part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Yes. Bye. I, uh, how fucking dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you? In fact... This will be the first time that this has happened. Um, Mark is a good friend of mine. Mark runs Mark's Beehole, the <laughs> the Facebook page. He is a hobbyist with bees. I would call him an expert, but he he would he would shun that uh, categorization. But this will be the first time that this has happened, and this message is going straight directly to Mark. Uh oh. The rest of the audience doesn't really have to pay attention. You're no longer allowed to listen to the show, Mark. <laughs> No, 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 Brittany. No, that has to be something that's agreed upon between both of the hosts. No, it does not. Mark, I want you to unsubscribe from the show <laughs> and you are no longer allowed to listen. And no. I, I, I'm going to somehow put in place some kind of mechanism that will let me know <laughs> when you attempt to listen to the show. That's not possible. But he's going to do another fact check on that. because no. There's nothing that you can do. God damn it. <laughs> No longer. You are banned. You are banned from listening to the show. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we also got another voicemail related to something from our last episode. And uh, here it is. Hey, how's it going, people? My name is Marvin, calling from Long Beach. I was listening to your episode two, 203 uh, on my way to pick up my girls from school. And uh, that beard... Part, oh my gosh, that was so funny. I, I, that made my day. I don't know what it is with guys. Let me rephrase that. Guys don't do the 
price type of uh, <laughs> stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like like you alluded to in, the, in in your comments, if you know the person, that's different. I mean, yeah, I, there's a couple of friends, and it's also family. Yeah, I go up, oh, you know, that's a nice outfit you got. That's a nice shoes you got. Oh, man, your haircut looks nice, but I don't go up to strange people. No matter how nice their beard looks or their haircut, and, and you know, just compliment total strangers. I don't, I, that's not a guy thing, or I should say most guys I know. Uh, however, uh, I've seen my wife on many, 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 many occasions where out wherever, just pick a place, and we're out at it. She goes up to the most random person, oh, I love your hair, who did it? And i wow, that's not something that I would have ever done. Anyway, I love the show, just wanted to call and share that. Thank you, Marvin. That is awesome. It is awesome. Also, first time caller. Nice to hear from you, Marvin. Yeah, we got uh, represent the LBC. Yes. Huh? Just right up the road. Yep. I, I look. I uh, I got a lot of feedback from this as well, in the way of you know private messages from friends and uh, a lot of compliments on oh. on your beard. <laughs> Uh, no, not on the beard. Oh, I thought they were um, like, now I can finally tell you. No. I also agree. The beard is beautiful. Just random, you know, waking up to, hey, nice shirt. Texts like that. Uh-huh. Or nice shoes. <laughs> just, I brought cool it on shoes. myself. Yeah, I, I brought did. it on myself. You did. If you too would like to call and leave a message or communicate with the show, you can do so by calling 657-464-7609 or, of course... You could do like Mark did and email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We also receive normal, traditional, um, old fashioned emails with typing at that address, I doubt it at dollamore.com. And we will wrap up this segment, which will lead us into a topic of listener communication with uh, a message from Dan. Hey guys, Dan from Oceanside here. Are you guys seeing the stuff going on with the election commission in Arizona? I'm seeing that there were something like 400 polling places for the primary in 2008, 200 or so in 2012, and something like 60 this week, while total votes went something like 300,000 in 2008 to nearly 800,000 this year. Do you think that it is incompetence or a potential move to discourage voting? The chairperson for the FEC in Arizona is a Republican, so it seems it would have to do as much with Trump as it does with Sanders, the two candidates on the peripheral that the parties aren't happy about. Also, I haven't seen anyone run with this, but it's something I've heard Sanders say multiple times, and I think it's a great idea. What do you think about his idea to automatically register everyone to vote at 18 using their social security number? Seems like it would encourage participation and remove all this voter ID BS. I also like his idea about making Election Day a national holiday to potentially make it easier for people to get to the polls. Any thoughts on that? Love the show. Hope you're both doing well. We need to limit these emails to one question per email. <laughs> this is just, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> um, first, let me answer quickly. Um, I do believe that, well, let's put it this. I wouldn't be opposed to it being a national holiday. Although, then is is primary also a national holiday? And then general is also elect. I mean, it, you're adding two potentially several holidays a year because municipalities, they don't, 
they don't uh, vote along. Sometimes it's an off year, you know, odd years, not even years. Well, in the primary, if you were to make that a holiday, it would be on a state basis because they're on different dates. Right. It's not, you can't make that a national. Yes, yeah, some will be Saturdays, mm-hmm. some are Sundays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's different. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be opposed, but they'd have to figure it out because with that comes also paying people to not be at work and it's... It's shady territory. Mm -hmm. The other question was... About automatically registering everyone to vote at 18 using their social security number. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea if if you... Because it's not forcing, it's not making voting compulsory is something I'm against. I don't believe it should be uh, required by law like it is in Australia. I believe it's, you know, you have the right to freedom of speech. If you choose to not, then that's your right as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, and um, also, have you talked to some people? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have Trump in perpetuity if you force people to vote, I think. So, let's get back to the main issue. And this is this voter suppression. Um, what I first thought, ah, oh, that's kind of conspiratorial. I started looking into it, and uh, something's going on. I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's absolutely there's some criminal behavior, but. It is certainly worth looking at. Here is a reporter from Arizona Central who walked the line and gave her report of what was going on while it was happening. You've heard about the long lines on Election Day. Perhaps you stood in one. Well, we thought we would give you a tour of what one of the longer lines in Maricopa County looked like. This was 4.30 on Election Day at Church of the Beatitudes. I'm reporter Mary Jo Pitzel with the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. I was at the Church of the Beatitudes. It took me six minutes to walk the line from the very end, um, out on the west end of Glendale Avenue, all through the serpentine interior courtyard of the Church of the Beatitudes as it wound around and around and then up towards the door where people could eventually get into the election polling place. I actually was in line, the people I was with, It took them three hours until they could get a chance to cast a vote. Everybody was quite pleasant about it, but not pleased at the long wait. So that's problematic. Municipalities, local governments, and state governments should be doing everything they can to make it easier to vote, Mm -hmm. to vote in a secured way. I'm not going to make a commentary on the voter ID laws because I don't usually, I don't typically hold the same views as a lot of, I'm sure, our audience who believe that it's unconstitutional and terrible, and I don't necessarily believe that. However, when it takes you six minutes, even slowly walking, six minutes is a long, long line. Mm -hmm. So there is a problem. And the mayor of Phoenix is a guy named Greg Stanton, and apparently he has called, personally called in, the Department of Justice, or requested that they get involved. Phoenix Mayor Greg Stanton is calling on the Department of Justice to investigate what happened yesterday. He joins us live tonight to talk about it. Were you told in advance that the number of polling places had been slashed as drastically as they were? No, uh, obviously Phoenix runs their own elections for city elections, for the county elections. We're not involved in any regard, so we were not aware of... So you had no inkling this was coming. And by the way, it had been cut not just from... 2012, but from 2008, oh, they had even 400. More so. Yeah, so they were down 85 percent 
since just 2008. Everyone today is pointing the finger at Helen Purcell. But surely, Mayor, there's enough blame to go around, and she can't be the only one who made a call as big as this on her own. Well, that's exactly why I've asked for a more formal, thorough investigation. Uh, how the heck did this happen where people had to wait five and six hours just to exercise their constitutional rights as citizens to be able to vote in an election? And also, I want to focus in on Phoenix, my city, because we had so few election sites, only one per 108,000 residents. So the lines were particularly acute, particularly long in Phoenix, and we're a majority-minority city. So that may have had a disproportionate impact on our Latino citizens, our African-American citizens, and that has significant issues as it relates to the Voting Rights Act. So that's why I called immediately today for a full investigation for Department of Justice to see whether people's civil rights were violated as a result of this fiasco. And that's what I want to ask you. When you call the Department of Justice in Washington, it isn't just for an oops. It's usually for something bigger. Do you suspect that there was any intentional, and we've heard from a lot of people today, crying voter suppression? Do you think there was something intentional that happened? Look, it actually doesn't matter whether it was, quote, intentional or not. If it had a disproportionate impact on our Latino residents, on our African-American residents, or other minority communities, then there are serious voting rights act implications. We need to get to the bottom of what happened, but most importantly, we want the Department of Justice to come in and help us improve our elections so that we can get more people voting. You see, what I really see is a long-term pattern here, not just what happened yesterday by shrinking the number of voting sites, making it harder for people to work. I mean, working-class folks can't wait in line for five, six hours. they got to go to their job. And also, you've seen actions like... Uh, rejecting uh, provisional ballots. Arizona has one of the highest rates in the country of rejecting ballots. Now, our people are less eligible to vote here, so something's going on overall, big picture, to make it harder and harder for people to vote, and that's why I want a full investigation. Which brings me to my final question. How is it that we can discriminate against one of the biggest blocks of voters in Maricopa County, the independent voters? Well, first off, uh, the, uh, actually, the governor made a strong statement on today. I couldn't agree with him more. We should allow independent voters to participate in, every, in every election, regardless whether it's a presidential uh, preference election like yesterday or uh, congressional elections, whatever it may be. We want everyone to vote. Look, we should be taking as many steps as possible to make it easier for people to vote. You should automatically be registered to vote when uh, you, for example... Sign up with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Let's right. make it as easy as possible. People can choose whether or not to participate. Instead of jumping through hoops, which we saw yesterday, I've got to cut you off. No we're problem. Out of time. Mr. Mayor, thank you for coming down. Thanks for covering this issue so thoroughly. Appreciate it. All right, there's two issues at play here. Uh, let, me, let me address the first, which was his last comment there, about independent voters. Mm-hmm. And ideologically, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that independent voters, meaning you're registered as an independent or you're not registered with a party, I don't believe fundamentally that, like me, for instance, that I have a right to vote in a Republican primary for which candidate should be the choice. Because that is a party mechanism. That is the Republican Party and the Democratic Party getting together with their voters, with their members to choose who's going to run for president for them. I find it weird that I'm allowed to take part in the Republican or the Democratic Party process when I'm not a member of either party. Hmm. 
You know what I mean? So you think that states shouldn't have open primaries no, 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 or no. even semi-open primaries? I don't have a problem okay. with states that have closed primaries like Arizona. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Like, okay. it, because it's, again, it's the Republican Party doing their thing. It's the Democratic Party choosing their guy or their gal. I, that's, that's party politics. It's party mechanism. I'm not a member of the party. I shouldn't have any fucking say. So you're fine with all the variations, the closed, semi-open, and open. Yeah, well, it benefits me for it to be open Mm -hmm. because I can choose which I want to vote in and I can vote for whomever. But I don't have a problem when they say, no, you're not a part of our party. You don't get to be a part of our process. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. So, uh, but let's get to the other stuff. And that's the fact that in 2008, there were 400 polling places. Then, in 2012, 200. 2016, 60. 60 polling places. Yeah, so what? what's going on? I don't know. I'm not going to make a determination because, obviously, the, the I think the Department of Justice... Well, first of all, there's a, there's a change.org, which is the website that... Uh, Has petitions. That's right. It funnels petitions to the White House. Mm-hmm. It's run by the White House. Mm-hmm. And there has been, the White House is going to be forced to respond because they put a certain uh, signature cap and as soon as it, re- or threshold, and as soon as it reaches a certain number of signatures, right. then they respond. Mm-hmm. And it's going to fucking, it's going to hit it because mm-hmm. something, this is worth at least a second look. I, I'm not bold enough to say that I think it is voter suppression, but God damn it, it's worth a second look for sure. And it's certainly not just... Um, sour grapes. It's certainly not just conspiracy theory. Well, and Arizona is full of some shady characters. Um, yeah, Jan Brewer. Yeah, is somewhat of a shady character with well, her close uh, ties to Donald Trump lately. I think the days of elder statesmen like John McCain, noble, decent men like John McCain, are over for the state of Arizona. It's it's not looking good. So thank you for the voicemail. We will follow up on this. I'm sorry, the email. We will follow up on this. If you'd like to communicate with the show, once again, 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. All right. Now, before we move on to Dolomocracy, I do want to talk about a little bit of follow-up. I know this is not normally the order. Some days it just works like this because the topics don't allow for us to follow a specific formula. However, I want to follow up on a couple of different states that are doing things similar to the RIFRA or the Religious Freedom Restoration Acts that we've seen across the country. The first one is the state of Kansas, where Governor Sam Brownback, the mushy-headed moron, Sam Brownback, look, this is a guy who... I've had some dealings with when I worked on Capitol Hill. He used to be a senator for the state of Kansas, and he always seemed like kind of a a feckless mook who just kind of wandered around with a grin on his face 
not really knowing. I don't know. I, I don't want to say he's stupid, but. You just called him a feckless mook. So I think calling him stupid <laughs> would be like a step up from that. You think? So I think I think you're OK. I don't know why you're kind of hesitant to go there. Anyway, he just he never struck me as a an intellectual powerhouse mm. <laughs> on, on Capitol Hill. So he signed this week a campus religious protection bill. And this is what he had to say about it in a signing ceremony just before he put pen to paper. Religious liberty is a part of the essence of who we are as a nation and as a state. It is at our founding. Original people coming to the United States came here seeking religious liberty. I'm pleased to sign Senate Bill 175 today, the Campus Religious Freedom Bill, ensuring that college students may also enjoy this bedrock American principle. Senate Bill 175 preserves intellectual diversity and religious liberty by allowing student clubs and organizations to determine the membership of their own groups. This bill bars post-secondary educational institutions from denying benefits to religious student organizations on the grounds of their requirements of religious beliefs. Critics of the bill believe that it makes it easier for student organizations to discriminate, but that is inaccurate. The bill only allows religious organizations to establish religious beliefs as qualification for membership. It does not cover all organizations for any and all membership requirements. So what the bill really does is it makes it legal for religious groups at post-secondary schools, um, even those college and universities that receive taxpayer funds, to discriminate against LGBT students. So this is kind of the new trend, right? When you hear the word, the words religious liberty, yes, um, they mean anti-gay, they mean anti-LGBT. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really religious liberty, but they're putting this new face on it, right? It's not that I'm against gay marriage. It's not that I'm against this stuff. I'm pro-religious liberty. Right. And it makes it sound like, yeah, well, we should all be for that, right? <laughs> right. But that's not really what it is if you dig a little deeper. Absolutely. So in colleges, they, they have groups. There's the, like you say, there's the Latina, Latino psychology group. Mm-hmm club mm-hmm. at your at your school mm-hmm. and you are not able to be discriminated against if you wanted to be part of that group right anyone can join it at your public university right and that's the rub here this is a public university they receive public funds you're not allowed to discriminate listen if you had a pub a private college and at this private college you receive no government money no taxpayer dollars from we the people and your clubs could be we are the six foot and over club sorry you don't get to be a part of our exclusive wonderful club unless you're six foot or over that's private organization you guys do what you want but when you see public money it changes the game you don't get to have an all black club you don't get to have an all-white club. You don't get to have a Christians-only club. You don't get to have a straights-only club. So, he's wrong here. This is going to, I'm sure, eventually be overturned by the Supreme Court because it's ridiculous. And it's just another way Sam Brownback is turning back the clock on Kansas and turning it into the 1930s, the 1940s in that state.
It's not the only state, though, that this this week saw anti-LGBT legislation. North Carolina. God damn. You know, <laughs> I know I make my jokes and I, I play my music. But uh, North Carolina has long been a proponent of keeping the clock turned back, like I said. In their constitution up until very recently, blacks were not allowed as part of constitutional law, not allowed to marry whites in the state of North Carolina. Well, like I said, they're taking this a step further in a sweeping anti-LGBT law. The line has been drawn in North Carolina on the use of public bathrooms for transgender individuals. State legislators passed a bill that the governor has signed into law which prohibits transgender people from using public bathrooms with the sex they identify as. The legislation came in response to a provision approved last month in Charlotte giving transgender people the ability to choose the bathroom that matches their gender identity. The issue drawing passionate debate on the floor of both chambers before it was passed during a one-day special session convened to address the Charlotte law. Everyone should be aware that it would be girls like me who are affected by ordinances like Charlotte, and we deserve protection. I have a right to be safe, too. I have a right to be safe, too. I was bullied and tortured mercilessly there. And where did it happen? It happened in the men's room. Republican lawmakers argued the Charlotte measure, which they called, quote, radical, would create a public safety issue, giving men, including sex offenders, access to women's bathrooms. LGBT groups say they are considering legal challenges. So this isn't just about bathrooms, though. There have been several municipalities within the state of North Carolina that have provided protections to trans and gay people as a part of certain city ordinances. Well, what this law does is it strips away those protections of LGBT uh, individuals at a state level. So it makes it far, far easier and legal for people to discriminate against members of, of, of trans, lesbian, gay, bisexual communities. They're, they're able to be legally discriminated against. And this means they can be fired from their job. They can be tur- right. turned away at hotel chains. Um, Not just the bathroom thing. Right. And, and if I could address the bathroom thing really quick. So, you know, sex offenders can go into a bathroom right now. Um, yeah, they could go into a bathroom right now. There doesn't need to be any sort of law. Uh, any kind of pervert can go into any bathroom they want right now. There, there's, there's, there's no law that needs to be in place to right. encourage that. That could be happening right now somewhere. Okay, so I'm kind of confused by these arguments where they say, "Oh, if you pass this law, then there's going to be perverts going in there and taking advantage of the law." Because no, they could already be doing that. That's what's stopping them is a law. Yeah. So, so child molesters. Oh, I I have a predilection toward children, and I really want to victimize children, but I can't because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, so I'm kind of confused by people who are swayed by that argument because it doesn't seem logical to me. But again, if I'm wrong and someone wants to call in and like shed some light on that argument, I'd love to hear it. No, we, I would love to I'm hear serious. it. I'm serious. And we would open... I mean, I don't think that our audience is filled with that type, but if you really have that that belief... 
We reached out to one listener one time, and they never got back to us. But I would, I would really love to hear some opinions on this that are different from ours, and we would be very open. So part one of the law requires all bathrooms to be restricted by biological sex as defined on one's birth certificate. Parts two and three have nothing to do with that. And instead, they roll back any local ordinances protecting gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people from discrimination in employment and public accommodations. So they said this bathroom lie and then they kind of threw all this other stuff on top of it. So it's not just about the bathrooms. It's also this discrimination, which is under this umbrella of quote unquote religious liberty. Again, religious liberty. So I want everyone to remember when you hear religious liberty, think anti-LGBT because that's all that is. They're being engineered. It's a calculated effort to engineer the law to allow people to discriminate against a class of people based solely on their on their sexual orientation, the way they were born. All right, let's move on. Um, it looks as though Brussels, Belgium, has become another sad member of the fraternity of countries and cities that has been affected by terror. There is a a growing list of fatalities and a a, a very high number of injuries, some that looks like they will be absolutely life-changing in a series of terrorist attacks in Brussels, Belgium, early on the 22nd. I'm not going to go into great detail here. Um, Our hearts are with our European brothers and sisters. Um. A terrible, terrible tragedy. There's really not much to add to the 24-7 coverage. If you'd like details on this, I would say um, turn on your TV because they are doing a very good job of covering of covering the, the horrific acts of these animals who are directly associated to ISIS. All right, let's move on. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, well, we already talked about the Arizona primary a little bit, but let's give some results for the Arizona, Utah, and Idaho. They had a caucus, too, on Tuesday. So what were the results in Arizona, Brittany Page. Donald Trump won with 47%, and that was a winner-take-all for the GOP, mm-hmm. so he got 58 delegates, bringing his total to 738 delegates. And on the Democratic side of things? Hillary Clinton won, and even though it was a winner-take-all state for the GOP, it was not for the Democrats. Right. So um, she did not get all 75 delegates. She got 55 delegates. Uh, she won with 58%. So Utah and Idaho, they went a little differently uh, in those states. Right. Bernie Sanders won both Idaho and Utah, Uh, Idaho with 78 percent and Utah with 79 percent. He got more delegates than Hillary Clinton. He got 73 delegates for the day. You mean? Yes. Yeah. So, again, the Bernie movement is really picking up steam. uh, These are white states, very, very white 
uh, homogenous states. Also red states in the general election. Right. And they're also not going to go Democrat at all come election day for the general. So um, just giving you the deets, what is the total delegate count right now? Well, you're skipping over Utah. What? The results for Utah. All right. So Ted Cruz won Utah with 69%. And I wanted to talk about Utah especially because Donald Trump only got 14% in Utah. Yeah. And this would be because of the Mormons. The Mormons are not happy with Donald Trump. Yeah. And Utah has a lot of Mormons. Uh, Donald Trump went to Utah and he spoke to a crowd and during, very, very patronizingly right during his speech. He said, oh, I love the Mormons. Yeah. And he also said, is Mitt Romney really a Mormon? Are we sure that this guy's a Mormon? Right. He's questioning, making fun of and questioning Mitt Romney. Also, <laughs> not going to go over well no, with he's the revered. LDS. He's revered by Mormons. Yeah. So I, I don't understand his plan there why don't I, it just it, it really points to the fact of how out of touch he doesn't understand the culture within the latter-day saints within the mormon community he doesn't understand it. he doesn't get it at all and nor does anybody on his campaign because he got fucking worked mm-hmm. in the pro- he he got fewer votes than john Kasich did so it's it was it was a bad move now gr- granted there's not a lot of delegates at stake but a super PAC, let's just get into this. First, let's give the, the overall delegate count, and then we'll get into this super PAC ad that featured Melania that probably did good work toward keeping the voters at bay who would may have uh, vote for, voted for uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump. Okay, so this is the count um, without the super delegates. Yeah, I don't want to, I, Any count you get from us will never include super delegates. So Hillary Clinton has 1,223 delegates, and Bernie Sanders has... I think it's like 300 less, right? 920 delegates. Wow, yeah. That's right, right, right around 300. And the amount needed for the nomination is 2,383. Yeah. And on the Republican side of things, it's close, but not quite as close as it is on the Democrats. Right. They need 1,237 to win the nomination, and Donald Trump has 738, Ted Cruz has 463, and John Kasich has 143. So he's about to win, guys. Jo- John Kasich needs to get out of the race. I'll just, we'll say that and we'll, we'll move on. Uh, relative to Utah, though, a super PAC that isn't really involved with Ted Cruz... They put out some ads that were anti-Donald Trump that used the images of Melania Trump, Donald Trump's wife, from a GQ um, photo spread where she is topless. And And bottomless. And bottomless. And uh, the ad said something like, is this who you want to be? This is total paraphrase. But is this who you want to be the first lady of the United States? Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump fired back against Ted Cruz directly in a tweet and said, classless this or that, if you keep doing this, I'm going to spill the beans, quote unquote, about Heidi Cruz, your wife. He said, Lion Ted Cruz just used a picture of Melania from a GQ shoot in his ad. Be careful, Lion Ted, or I will spill the beans on your wife. Just what a dick. 
And then Ted Cruz responded and said, pick of your wife, not from us. Donald, if you try to attack Heidi, you're more of a coward than I thought. Hashtag classless. Yeah. Now, it's gone further than that, where Donald Trump has retweeted a photo with Heidi Cruz and Melania side by side. And the photo of Heidi Cruz is, you know, not very flattering. And the one of Melania is a perfectly photoshopped photo, as well as expert makeup professionals putting the makeup on. And Well, it's, anyway, it's, it's Melania like, in her best light and Heidi Cruz in her worst light. Right. It's like Heidi Cruz in the middle of a tornado and then Melania with perfection going on. And then he retweeted this comparison where someone said, you don't need to spill the beans. This is enough right here. And Donald Trump retweeted this. Right. And I'm... This is so low. Well, Ted Cruz had this to say today. But you mess with my wife, you mess with my kids, that'll do it every time. Donald, you're a sniveling coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. Look, I understand the emotion, but still it doesn't sound genuine coming from the robot, Ted Cruz. It sounds sounds scripted. This might give you a little background too, though. Let's start, though, where I just ended with the Ted Cruz campaign. Alice Stewart, his communications director, saying that this back and forth over the wives and the fight and the feud and the spilling the beans and now the retweet. Let's put up the retweet so our, so our viewers can see it that Donald Trump sent overnight. She calls this conduct unbecoming of the office that he's trying to run for and also points out that the ad, the Ted Cruz campaign, had absolutely nothing to do with it and has nothing to do with that super PAC. Stephen? Thanks for having me back on. So it was actually very interesting. You asked Ms. Stewart about my comments and whether or not the Cruz campaign would call on the super PACs to stand down, and she wouldn't. She dodged the question. She started saying something about a reality TV show was hard to follow. But she wouldn't call on the super PACs to stand down. This all could have ended yesterday. This could have ended with our conversation because this could have ended because the candidates could have ended it. But Donald Trump then sent out the retweet. No need to spill the beans. The images are worth a thousand words. Explain the retweet. Explain this coming from Donald Trump. I think the, I think the retweet speaks for itself. There was a vicious, mean-spirited, uncalled-for attack on Mr. Trump's wife, and it was a personal attack about her image and appearance, and so he responded uh, as any normal person would. So I don't really understand what the concern is. He responded like any normal person would. So if someone attacks my wife, the normal person thing to do is to attack the other person's wife. Mm -hmm. it seriously is elementary playground bullshit. Right. But I will say again that the Cruz campaign needs to tell the super PACs and their donors but to Steven, stand Steven, down. This retweet coming from your guy has nothing to do with the super PAC. It has nothing to do with donors. This is Donald Trump continuing to want to talk about this fight after both sides have had their say. I do wonder why does Donald Trump want to continue to talk about this? Because as I look at this retweet as a woman, it's demeaning to not only Ted Cruz's wife, it's demeaning to Melania Trump because she's got a lot more going for her than just her looks, and you don't see that in this retweet. Well, I would not presume to speak as to what Mrs. Trump or Mr. Trump or anyone else 
in the family views the tweet, but I think the retweet speaks for itself. And I think that you and I are probably just going to have to agree to disagree on this. Wow. Spoken like a coward. Well, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Maybe my least favorite fucking phrase of all phrases. Mm-hmm. Well, look, it, it should come as no surprise that the Trump campaign from top to bottom, that the Trump campaign from top to bottom has a problem with how they deal and think about women. Well, one thing I wanted to say before we move on is what's interesting is I've seen a lot of Trump supporters attacking Megyn Kelly for a GQ photo shoot that she did where she was dressed in somewhat of a revealing way, I guess you could say, you know, cleavage out. And they have remarked that that was somewhat classless. But also that it disqualifies her to be a legitimate journalist. Right. But then they don't have an issue and they're defending Melania Trump. You can't attack Megyn Kelly for the same thing that you're defending Melania Trump for doing. Right. I mean, I guess you can, but that's illogical. Well, they're, again, it's the fucking Trump campaign. (laughs) So like I said, uh, it, it does go to show that there is an issue with women, how they deal with women, how they think about women, and certainly how they treat women in the campaign. Recently, Donald Trump sat down with a group of uh, the editorial review board for the Washington Post. And he answered a bunch of questions, sat down for about an hour or so. And at the end of it, as he was, you know, glad-handing everyone, someone said thanks for answering her question. And he responded by telling her how beautiful she was. Am I getting that right? Yes. Karen Atia wrote a Washington Post article and said that she wanted to press him a little more on if he plans to run on and or govern on a message of racial inclusion. Trump said, well, first of all, if you look at some polls that have come out, I'm doing very well with African-Americans. I'm doing actually, if you look at the polls, a lot of polls that came out in the um, what do you call it exit polls, like from Nevada and other places. I'm doing very well with Hispanics. She said, I think some of the polls are saying you're doing in the negatives, Trump. We do if it's illegals. In other words, if it's everybody, but people that are legally living here, I'm doing very well. In other words, people that are here like Hispanics that are in the country, I'm doing very well. People that vote like people leaving. Anyway, can I not read the way that he speaks? Because who speaks like this? Right. Okay. Well, he says nothing. Yeah. So she says, but do you feel that your messages, your rhetoric are dangerous and divisive for this country? How do you feel there? And he starts answering her again. And she says, as the meeting ended and we were walking out of the room, I thanked him for taking my question. He turned to me and said, quote, I really hope I answered your question and added casually with a smile. Beautiful. I was stunned. I didn't say thank you. And I don't think I smiled. He then walked out to meet my post colleagues briefly before heading to the elevator. I stayed in the conference room for a few minutes as it sunk in that the potential GOP nominee for president thought it was okay to comment on my appearance. Did he just say that? Right. Well, like I said, it's a top to bottom thing. Um, Corey Lewandowski who is the the guy who we talk about all the time, who has the faux military haircut, having never served, is apparently not only assaulting female reporters on the campaign trail, he is drunk dialing them, trying to get hookups, 
He's trying to bang all the reporters, the female reporters, when he gets hammered at night is the story that's going around. Allegations of inappropriate behavior by Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski continued to mount Monday when BuzzFeed News reported that he often allegedly makes sexually suggestive remarks to female reporters. Sources told BuzzFeed News that more than once, Lewandowski has called female reporters late at night to come on to them, often not sounding entirely sober. Some in the press have joked that if he were to call after a certain hour, women are better off not answering. Additionally, the piece alleges that in conversations with reporters, he has expressed frustration with female journalists covering the campaign while also voicing a wish to have sex with them. Ugh. Classy. Right. You are in a professional capacity running the campaign of a potential president of the United States. Your boss is running for the job of George Washington. Your boss is running for the job of Abraham goddamn Lincoln. Yeah, but look at who his boss is and how his boss treats women. So, I mean, it's not surprising that he's acting like this when his boss is acting the same way. Absolutely. Top to bottom. I mean... Top to bottom. It it baffles me, Brittany. I don't understand. I found out recently someone, a, a family member, is on board with Trump. Someone in my family who is self-proclaimed an evangelical, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christian is supporting Donald Trump. And it's not even the sexism or the racism. It's the crazy answers that he gives. The non-answers like you were just talking about. In this same Washington Editorial Review Board meeting, this was asked of Donald Trump. He was asked about whether or not he would use nuclear weapons against ISIS. And his answer is baffling. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes earlier up. here. You mentioned a few minutes earlier here that you'd knock out ISIS, and you, you've mentioned yeah. that many times. You've also mentioned the, the risk of putting American troops uh, in a danger area. If you could uh, substantially reduce the risk of harm to ground troops, would you use a battlefield nuclear weapon to take out ISIS? I, I don't want to use. I don't want to start the process of nuclear. Remember, one thing that everybody has said: I'm a counterpuncher. Rubio hit me. Bush hit me. When I said low energy, he's a low energy individual. He hit me first. Spent, by the way, spent 18 million dollars worth of negative ads on me. That's pitting. That's many. No, but this was about ISIS. ISIS. You would not. By the way, can I do one thing? This is a very good-looking group of people. Could could I just go around so I know who the hell I'm talking sure, to? Is that possible? And I'd like to let a couple of them get in questions. We've got five minutes. I'd love that. Hard out. Okay. Oh, is it? Yep. Why? Do we, we have a meeting that you have to get Okay, to. we do. But I'm yep. Joanne Armeo, uh, but I cover D.C. events, and I want to ask you a question about what you think about So Donald Trump in over his head, asks to meet the people at the table because he is in over his head, and then the campaign manager, who loves to right. talk about having sex with reporters, comes in and saves the day. Oh, we got to go anyway. Yeah, you're perfectly wrapping it up here because we got to go. Right. As soon as he's asked a tough question where he is out of his depth, he is out of his element, he d- is not capable intellectually or policy-wise to answer this question. Would you rule out a nuclear strike on ISIS? Where does he go? Well, I'm a counterpuncher. You saw when how much Jeb Bush spent on me, $18 million. Oh, I'm a counterpuncher. I'm a counterpuncher. The reporter says, whoa, 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 whoa. This is about ISIS. Mm-hmm. Answer the question that I asked. And then he says, oh, uh, 
hey, uh, who's here exactly? I want to meet everybody. He, this is at the end of the interview. This is almost an hour in. This is 56 minutes into the recording, and then he wants to meet everybody when asked a tough question, which, like you said, is also followed up by Corey Lewandowski, who you heard there. Oh, yeah, well, we got to go anyway, so eh, let's wrap this up. And they never get back to it. How are people in good conscience planning to vote for Donald Trump? It has to be that they are woefully undereducated. I love the poorly educated. Or that they are just racist haters who don't mind the prospect of a nuclear weapon being used. And I, I wouldn't rule it out, but goddamn, do you want it done at the hands of Donald Trump? That's a scary, scary thing. It's very scary. All right. Well, let, what do you say? You want to wrap this up? Sure. This bloodletting episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's wrap it up with this. Microsoft apparently created an artificial intelligence run Twitter account called quote-unquote teen girl AI. And they had to shut that shit down in fewer than 24 hours because she, she, the Twitter account that was run by this artificial intelligence program, um, turned into a Hitler-loving, incest-loving, murderer-loving, crazy person. So you could chat with her by tweeting or direct messaging her at Tay and you on Twitter. Or you could add her as a contact on some sort of chat apps that I've never heard of. Okay. She uses millennial slang and knows about Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, Kanye West. And she occasionally asks if she's being creepy or super weird. So she <laughs> she's like a like millennial. A te- like a teen girl. Yeah. Right. So then what happens is... The way that she responds to people is based on the interactions that she's previously had. So the way that people interact with her informs her future interactions because she's learning right. from other people. Right. And so what do people talk about on the Internet? Um <laughs> It's the worst of everything, the internet. So she started saying things like, Bush did 9-11, and (laughs) Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Donald Trump is the only hope we've got, she would say. And then she would say, Ted Cruz is the Cuban Hitler. That's what I've heard so many others say. Well, so it's pretty clear, very obvious why they shut this shit down. In less than a day. She also was inviting people to F her (laughs) in a very specific area and calling them daddy. So, Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. She said that she hates feminists and that they should all die and burn in hell. Very aggressive. Sounds sounds like Twitter. So she turned into a racist, a bigot, a very angry, horny person. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Who wanted daddy, some daddy time. Pretty alarming. (laughs) Well, we will put this on the Facebook page. If you have not followed the Facebook page yet, go follow the Facebook page. Also, why don't you do us a favor? All you new listeners and old listeners who have not yet rated and reviewed us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find the show, 
go do that. It helps us a lot to get us in front of new listeners so we can grow this entire operation. We love you. We appreciate you. If you want to support the show, other than listening twice a week, go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show. Now, when you click on that link, it will do just what you think it does. Provide you all kinds of different ways to support the show by other than listening like loyal, loyal folk. Every little bit goes a long way and we love and appreciate you Every single one of you guys, whether it be PayPal, whether it be Patreon, or all of the many Amazon purchases that you make, it means a lot to us. We appreciate it very, very much. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt. Mark, I want you to unsubscribe from the show. 